Welcome to Homework, the podcast by and for people who work from home. This is episode number 238 with guest Mike Rose. I am your host, Dave Taylor, and there is Harry Marks. Hey, Harry. Hello, Dave. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just good. We've had a torrential downpour the last couple of weeks, and my my son and I built a little weather station from a kit, and we never really emptied out the rain gauge. So over the last two weeks, we've gotten about nine inches nine inches of rain. So that's <laughs> terrifying to know. <laughs> I didn't realize New Jersey was in a rainforest. It is now, yeah. Well, we we also live near a river, so um, I tweeted today earlier that there are so many mushrooms around my property now that I had to tell Mario the prin- the princess is in another castle. So it's just, it's really bad right now. My lawn is just gross. I'm jealous as my lawn is the opposite brown and dry. It's like Tatooine out there. The good news is I haven't had to lug out the lawnmower for weeks. Oh, that that must be nice. No, we've had the landscapers come because I'm sitting on three quarters of an acre and I just am not mowing that myself. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Well, uh, before this becomes the unofficial lawn care podcast, again, we seem to talk about that topic a lot. I want to introduce our guest. Today, uh, Mike Rose is joining us. He is currently the Director of Technical Architects over at Salesforce and, of course, uh, to our fellow. <laughs> uh, Mike and I worked at the unofficial Apple Web Blog together at AOL Tech for years, and we still maintain our friendship today. Mike, thanks for coming on the show. It is my pleasure. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be a Tua fellow. It's never <laughs> never something Has- I aspire to, but now that I have it, I, I'm never letting it go. It's fantastic. Has your jacket arrived in the mail yet? Uh, I I have the sash, but okay. um, but not it. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna ask uh, UPS to put out a trace on that. Yeah, just get the routing number and you can be insured <laughs> where it is. Something's it's, stuck in stuck in New Jersey, I think. It, so, well, I think I, I think somebody thought it was like it was Star Trek cosplay, and they may have just taken it uh, for their own for their uh, own Jordy LaForge costume. Is this is this like a, a varsity jacket or a members only jacket? Oh well. Considering Are we allowed talking, to talk about it? I think we wear it in public. Uh, I think, sure. keep in mind that we're talking about a a celebrity jacket associated with a much beloved but long gone technology blog. So I think the answer to your question is way more members only. Uh, <laughs> yes, apparently we are the last members. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we brought Mike on to talk about a few things. Um, I know he's been working from home like so many others and so many of us. He's also developed a really cool strategy that I think has been officially adopted uh, by Salesforce. Is that right, Mike? Um, It's been it's been widely socialized, I think. um, Yeah, it's official adoption is is funny, funny term, but it's it's definitely part of our part of our, you know, tool belt our part of our utility belt and, Mm -hmm. and been. Um, gotten into some public-facing stuff as well, so that's kind of neat to see. Very good. So uh, before we jump to that, Mike, let's just uh, start with our typical conversation. Oh, Harry, did you hear it? No. Did what... you hear me almost skip Tool of the Week once again? Ah, uh, no. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to say before we get into our conversation with Mike, let's talk about our Tools of the Week. Harry, have you got a Tool of the Week? I do. Um, it's <laughs> one that I use usually when I'm um, doing, like, payroll calculations or, or like trying to see how much I would be making um, from a contract position. Uh, it's called Solver, S-O-U-L-V-E-R, and it's a text-based calculator. So what oh. – so, yep, so we've talked about it before. I think episode 222, I mentioned it, and I might have mentioned it on the home screens episode. Um, but so what it does is it's 
It's quicker than a spreadsheet, um, and it's smarter and clearer than a traditional calculator. That's how they describe it. So what what they allow you to do is you can set up your numbers and your calculations like you know they have on the website, 50,000 plus 5.25%, which will calculate it from the left side on the right side, which is where all of your solutions go. But you can then annotate these lines. So let's say you've got you know paycheck, uh, $5,000, and then underneath that you've got minus taxes, uh, you know, 25%. And then underneath that minus secure, uh, social security minus da, da. So on the right hand side, it still tallies up all your numbers, but you can annotate your, your numbers and your calculations. So you know exactly what it is you're calculating. So you can see the whole, the whole, um, trail of, um, calculations, the whole ganze Mishpucha, uh, uh, as one might say. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can see everything there, and it's on Mac and it's on iOS, and I absolutely love it. It's really the the only calculator I use. Wow, very nice. Definitely go and check that out if that would uh, suit your needs. It sounds uh, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I think there's a, I don't know if there's a, a a third version out for iOS. It might only be Solver two. Yeah, Solver three is out for Mac, and Solver t- uh, two there. They do still have available Solver too, and I think iOS is just Solver. So, okay. um, yep, highly recommend it. Great. Uh, my tool is Notion Charts. Anyone who listens to the show or follows Harry or I on social media mm-hmm. knows that we are in a love affair love with Notion. Notion. Notion Charts can be found at notion.vip/charts, and of course, there'll be a link in the show notes. And this lets you embed all sorts of different charts and graphs right in Notion. Um, there are a couple caveats you have to be aware of. This is a third-party solution, uh, so be aware of that. And it is, for the time being, limited to Google Sheets. So if you've got Excel, uh, you can't really point that towards Notion. And regret, regret, regrettably, you can't generate, uh, pull a graph from data that is stored in Notion. So if you have a nice database and you say, boy, I'd love to represent this in a scatter plot or a bar graph, unfortunately, that's not quite there yet. But if you want to pull data out of Google Sheets and put it into Notion for your own reference or first presentation, it's a really seamless way to do it. And um, it will update itself automatically as more data is added to the Google Sheet. Um, You can tailor it with your embed blocks right in Notion so that it looks rather seamless and doesn't look hunkly. Uh, visuals are pretty, pretty nice. So if that's something you're looking for, I know I'm very much looking for the day that I can generate charts and graphs in Notion from data that is stored in Notion. Um, But until then, this looks like a really nice workaround. Now combine that with the fact that you can export Notion um, to Excel or CSV, and you can continue to update that chart once you export once. There is sort of a, you're setting the data out just to pull it back in. Um, but it works in the meantime. So if that's something you're looking forward to playing with, go to notion.vip slash charts. And I believe they're also opening up an API soon. So developers will be able to use Notion in their apps, and you know we might be able to pass data back and forth a little more easily. That would be great. I did see a tweet about that happening, but I don't have a date i can't remember if they shared exactly when no I, I it's all been vague i think it's a couple of months from now but they're they're close yeah i'm definitely looking forward to it um just to to cap off my notion using experience mm-hmm. very good well now i think it's time to talk to mike mike i know you work from home um yes. you work over at salesforce can you tell us what is it the work that you do uh sure uh and i can i can say actually that 
you know, you guys have the most universal podcast now that there could possibly be uh, because <laughs> your audience is everyone. Um, That's right. We were very prescient four years ago. <laughs> you, you, you thought this through. Um, so, yes, uh, I, I work at Salesforce. I am on the uh, solution engineering side of the business. So different companies call this function different things. Pre-sales, okay. pre-sales architect, uh, technical technical sales. Um, the the idea of a pre-sales um, pre-sales engineer, or pre-sales pre-sales architect is the the counterpart to the salesperson. Um, software companies, hardware companies, technology companies, solution companies they all uh, they all have salespeople who are maybe. Uh, or who are all great, and I love the salespeople I work with, but they may not be particularly technical. They're selling technical stuff, mm-hmm. so they need um, they need a sidekick. They need a Robin to their Batman. Mm-hmm. They need a um, a uh, name another sidekick here. Uh, they need a sidekick to their iPhone. Um, <laughs> oh, I see. T Mobile sidekick. Um, <laughs> so so the so the solution engineering role, generally speaking. Is or sales engineering is those folks who are the the technical counterparts, the salespeople. They're doing discovery, they're doing demos, they're working with customers to help them understand what uh, what they need to know in order to make a purchase decision. Hmm. Um, for the record, that job generally is the best job in the world, and I love it. Um, and had I known, I started my career as a solution engineer quite late. I've been with Salesforce seven years, but but Salesforce is my third or fourth career mm-hmm. um, and joined joined the company when I was in my uh, early 40s. So, and I'd never been or thought about, thought I had never been a solution engineer before. As it happens, literally my first job out of college, part of my job was doing software demos and doing discovery and going and trying to help people understand what the product was that we sold. And had someone said to me at that point in time, you know, this is a career. Like people do this. Just right. what this. you're doing now. Yeah. This part, this like little corner, what I perceived as my job was I was a I was very much a jack of all trades in that job. So yeah. um but if someone had said to me, you know, you could keep focusing on this and this could be a career, that would have changed my life because this is the <laughs> perfect job for me. I just didn't know. No one no one made it clear to me in, you know, nineteen ninety yeah. whatever that that was a thing. Anyway, um, so I've been there seven years, and and in the time I've been at Salesforce, I've had um, several different roles. I started as a core solution engineer, uh, so I was working with I was working to position and uh, and demo our big ticket, you know, well known products. So if you know Salesforce, mm-hmm. we sell a CRM product called Sales Cloud. We sell a customer service product called Service Cloud. We have a communities and portal product. We have we have Marketing Cloud. We have Heroku. We have a whole we have now we have Tableau now. So we have so so many products. The core role was focused on just the the vanilla stuff that we did. Um, I then transitioned into a platform solution engineering role, which was more about the underlying stuff and the mm-hmm. Um, the um, uh, the integrations, the way the the way the platform came together, the the way the way people could extend on extend Salesforce, develop on Salesforce, um, make the uh, make the product do things that it didn't necessarily do out of the box or off the shelf. Mm-hmm. And now I run a team of those um, 
platform SEs that we now call technical architects um, who are all focused on helping our customers understand how to make Salesforce more what they want uh, connected to other things and um, build their own applications using mm. using our platform. So um, yeah, that's what I do and I love it. And it's a great, 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 great company to work at. Um, really, really a place where I, I I certainly feel happy every day getting up and not going to the office um, nice. or, or taking, walking the, the 14 steps from my, my bedroom to my, to my office. <laughs> See, that kind of leads me right into my next question. Is solution engineering something you would typically do in person or does it really lend itself to remote work? That is a great question. Um, people do it remotely. Uh, people do it uh, going in person and being in front of customers. I, I think mm-hmm. it, it varies depending on the, the kind of thing you're, you're positioning and how, how deep into the weeds you need to get. Yeah. Uh, for my team, truthfully, there was a lot of value. There is a lot of value in us being face to face with our customers because uh, we do a lot of, we do a lot of whiteboarding. We do a lot of architecture discovery. We do a lot of um, deep technical discovery. And so it's useful to be in more of a workshop or a collaborative meeting environment. Mm-hmm. That said, we always have spent a lot of time doing remote presentations, remote conversations. So it's not new. It's not really a new yeah. motion. But there's certainly – I miss the face-to-face part of it for sure. Um, I, I always, I've always enjoyed going on site to customers. Um, however, you know, we do the best we can. And I don't, I, don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's hampered us dramatically, but it has changed a bit of what we do. Hope that made sense. I think you just hit on the tagline for 2020. We're just doing the best we can. <laughs> really? <laughs> it's, it's changed. It's not the same as it used to be, but it's, you know, it's, not, it's not all horrible. What, what was it's the trend? not all horrible. What was the transition like? You know, you're, you were on 6th Avenue, you know, in this big office, this brand new office, mm-hmm. Salesforce Tower, um, you know, and then suddenly you guys had to move everything to your houses. So what was that like? Um, weird. I think <laughs> uh, I think like for everybody it was weird. I actually so it was the I think the first or second weekend in March, so the weekend of you know March eighth, March ninth, mm-hmm. in there somewhere. Um, and it, I I don't want to get too into the details of the of the internal you know corporate back and forth that was going on, but mm-hmm. we knew we knew already that certain offices, certain Salesforce offices, were going to be closed or had been closed and would be closed come Monday morning. Um, I think at the time, I think at the time our San Francisco office had already closed. And so we were, we were sort of waiting for the New York, you know, uh, message to go out. And it did, uh, I want to say, you know, late on Sunday afternoon of mm-hmm. that weekend. So, um, and it was a soft close. So it was like, look, we're expecting everyone you're everyone's allowed to work from home everyone's encouraged mm-hmm. to work from home uh the office will be open so if you need to co- with limited services so if you need to come in and and get your stuff or you need to do something in the office you can i went in uh i feel like it was that either that monday or that tuesday um and picked up my picked up my keyboard and my uh my magic mouse and my roost stand and like all my <laughs> all my office paraphernalia that were in your my accoutrement. I was just my, accoutrement, say that. my 
my my my my mise en place. Yes. Um, and I and I brought almost everything, and I forgot one thing, which was an I have I have an IPVO like a second gen HD IPVO camera on a on a on a boom mm. yeah. document camera. Um, the one I brought home, I did bring one home, which was the low res like 720p one, but I didn't grab. It was in the back of the cubby. I didn't see it. I didn't grab the high res full HD one, and I've regretted it ever since. I wish <laughs> I had it because it's great for it's great for actually whiteboarding because you can you can turn it and point it uh, in any direction. Um, it's sort of a cam the camera with a pre built tripod. You can fix set it to fixed focus. Anyway, not no crying over spilt milk or left cameras. But I collected all my stuff, and I you know I really I had that feeling of okay this is going to be a couple weeks, but better to be prepared. Like I, I didn't want to be in a situation where I didn't have some of that stuff. Right. right. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to get it and bring it home and whatever. And then, um, you know, within a week or so, we, we pretty much knew that it was not going to be an immediate turnaround. Uh, right. I think optimistically we, we thought maybe we would be back there sooner rather than later. Um, but, but yeah. And, and, Interestingly enough, we now Salesforce is now um, has a product called Work.com, which is a version of our Salesforce platform that is customized for companies to manage their return to the office. Oh, so, wow! So doing you know daily wellness att attestations and having a command center to understand you know what's going on in your office environment and uh, being able to do manual contact tracing if you want to. Um, so and it's you know, work.com. Um, we are going to be the, uh, we're going to be the, you know, drinking our own champagne slash uh, dog fooding customers for that. Like we're, we are using it. We're going to use mm -hmm. our own product right. to open our offices, but we're just not like, we're not doing it quite yet. Um, and I think a lot for a lot of our customers, a lot of people I've talked to, if you'd ask them in May, you know, are you going to be ready to reopen fully or be back, have people back at work by June? They said, yeah, sure. And then you ask them in June, they say, no, that, that we were, we right. were not, we were not correct. <laughs> we were not prepared. Have things gotten harder for you working from home, uh, just in terms of, of communication with your team or um, getting certain tasks done? Or has it, is this something that could have happened, you know, years ago and, and you, nothing really would have changed? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think generally, you know, sort of, sort of in the, in the globe from a global perspective, this is so much easier than if we had tried to do it even five years ago. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if you had said in 2015 or 2013, all right, everybody has to work from home now and it's essentially overnight. Yeah. Like right. we, we fundamentally would not have been able to accomplish it. Um, I think we, as, as, as rough as the, as the American adoption of residential broadband has been, we actually are in not a bad place. As rough as, as, as municipal broadband and Wi-Fi has been, we're not in a bad place compared to where we were five or 10 years ago. Um, yeah. the people having devices at home, people being able to do like, none of it is easy, but it's it's kind of remarkable that it's possible at all. Right. Um, and then I'm not sure I actually answered your question. 
So just in terms of of the of getting your work done, has it been how has it been? Has it been easier? Has it been about the same? Um, communicating with your team, um, mm. you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so my team, as it happens, is distributed. Uh, I okay. have a couple folks who report to me who sit in New York and who normally I would see at the office, but everybody else of a team of 10 or 11 folks is across the country. Mm-hmm. So it's no, that part of it is no harder or easier. Like the raw communication or the ability to get, to bring people together. It, we're doing it exactly the same way we would have, we would have mm-hmm. done six months ago. Um, what's different is that uh, people's individual folks, emotional state, their, their coping capacity, their, um, their individual circumstances are, you know, uniformly worse. <laughs> I, right. I think, I think as a manager, you get used to the, the, at, at any given time, maybe there's 10%, 20% of the people on your team who are really happy and having a great time. And, you know, the bulk of the middle are doing okay and they're, they're getting along and they're, they have their, their good days and their bad days. And then there's a couple people always are just like, yeah, I'm struggling and I'm, yeah. I'm feeling, I'm feeling like I don't have, I don't have the coping capacity that I should. Mm-hmm. I think we've we've basically moved the the Overton window of of coping capacity for everyone. <laughs> like it's it, it, it to put it in to put it in in a Dave metaphor. Um, your entire party has wandered into a, a cloud of acid, and everybody is everybody is now taking one point of damage, one point of hit point damage every turn until you get to clear air. Um, right. This and is the happening. Exit point to, is not obvious, right? Yeah, like you don't you don't <laughs> see a way out. So this is happening to everyone, and 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 so you you don't necessarily notice the the individual variance quite as much, but you do notice the overall degradation of capacity and capability. Yeah. Um, yeah and Dave, sure. not to mix not to mix up your podcast. You know, I don't want to I don't want to bring in role playing games into working at home, but I thought that I thought that was relevant. Well, uh, we all need our. Uh, healthy downtime <laughs> and i recommend uh playing games with your friends as a way to do that i mean the, oh, there, there was a recent study that came out that said since this has happened uh, uh the workday has gotten an average of 48 minutes longer and people are having more meetings even though the meetings might be shorter um there's more of them during the day so i you know, I, I can understand where where the the fatigue and the just like blah about you know working from home all the time where that comes mm-hmm. in yeah. But do you and feel I, that will abate? I'm sorry. Do you feel that will abate after a while? Because people in businesses have employees working from home who would never have considered um, supporting a remote team. So there's probably a little anxiety among upper management. And so there's that increased need for communication. Is everything happening? Is everything okay? I, and after five, six, seven, twelve 12 months of this, okay, I can see that it's working. I think it was different when people didn't have their kids home. I think if you're mm-hmm, a parent, yeah. especially a parent of young kids, like I am, I've got a, a six-year-old now, he starts first grade in a couple of weeks, and so not only am I working from home, which if it was just me working from home, I could, I wouldn't feel so fatigued, but now I gotta sit at the kitchen table with him on his mm-hmm. iPad while he zooms into a classroom, and I gotta make sure he's focused and paying attention and doing his work, so now I'm doing two jobs I'm I'm teacher's assistant and doing, you know, my writing and, and all the other stuff. So I think if this had just been 
working from home and just you in the house, it would be a lot different. But because you've also got kids and other responsibilities to take care of, um, I think that adds to it. And plus, something just occurred to me. Uh, you know how certain companies, I don't know if Salesforce does this. I worked for a couple of law firms that did this, where they would either give you a cell phone to get your work email on. Or if you used your own personal cell phone, they would either pay the bill or like half the bill for you, the data plan. So now mm. everyone's at home using their personal internet that they are paying for. Are companies paying for that internet? Yeah, and I, not to get into our our policies on that, but I do think that that is a that's a concern. Um, the the BYO internet, uh, yeah, there there are. There are certainly folks who have made different choices about their ISP services based on the new demand. I know I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been, I've been through every plan that Optimum offers at this point, uh, from you know, basic you know 100 megabit all the way up to gigabit, and now I've backed down and settled on 300 megabit as the best combination of performance and stability. Right. Um, but but I do think that's the case. I think I think it's a I think it is a valid conversation to have between you know someone between a manager and a subordinate about that unfunded mandate Mm -hmm. um i think chances are and this is true for me i think the the increased cost of uh, isp services is dramatically uh outweighed by the reduced commuting and meal costs of being at the office true Mm -hmm. um like my commute cost i mean anybody who was taking commuter rail was paying in the hundreds of dollars a month my commute costs were probably you know 115 120 dollars a month there's no way i'm spending that much in um, upgraded service and i actually don't use i i can't recall the last business call i had on my phone although i am getting a phone call right now so 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 much of my conversations are google meet zoom Mm -hmm. webex um, I, I think the, a lot of the value of a, a cell phone for work was being able to be reached wherever you are, but I'm never any place but here. So I have other, <laughs> I have other, other ways of contacting people from here, but I think it generally speaking, Harry, you're, you're spot on that, that it is a, it is a valid and valuable conversation to have, uh, within, within an organization about like mm-hmm. what, what about the cost structure has changed? People make assumptions, like people make make decisions f- about their their personal finances and mm-hmm. their budgets based on the prevailing circumstances. Like, right. what are they? What are their expectations? And sometimes, when those expectations change through no like nobody's fault, obviously in this situation, but um, they may have to say, "Hey, you know," or you know, maybe it's I can't. I can't work overtime because of my childcare situation where pre- right. previously I could mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. And I think there's all, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of work from home situations that are different when it is the, when it is normative or when it is expected versus when it was exceptional. Um, mm-hmm. And there were lots of, there was lots of exception management and lots of, you know, allowance and slack built into the system for people who are working from home once in a while. Right. Yeah. Um, and now it's flipped. And so now, now that some of those calculations need to be redone. Yeah. The fir- One of the firms I worked for had no official work from home policy. If you needed, right. I, I commuted from Jersey into New York. And so to, to the cost uh, you had mentioned, I was spending about $6,000 a year on commuting in and out of the city. That was yep. parking, uh, NJ Transit, subway, back and forth. 
Um, but you know, the, there was no official policy. So if you had to, if I had to t- do a doctor's appointment during that day, I wasn't going to go in and out of the city. I was going to work from home that day. And then suddenly they found themselves flipped, and now they had to come up with a policy within a week to for mm-hmm. an entire firm across the world. I mean, this is a global firm in twenty countries that suddenly had to have everyone stay at home. And you're absolutely right. They make assumptions. You know, we're lucky. We live on the coast. We have good internet. Um, But if you live in rural America and you're still on AOL Mm -hmm. dial-up, which is shockingly about 3 million people still sign up for AOL dial-up if they're in the middle of the country because there there is no broadband where they are, then you're sort of Mm. up a creek. You you have no recourse to to work from home. Yeah. And I think um, the... You know, we our our former Tua colleague uh, T.J. Luoma mm-hmm. uh, had that had that experience of of being you know his his only options being satellite broadband or dial up right. um, yeah. where he lived in in Ohio at the time. I, I I think I think you know again I I I was making a generalization of the you know the experience now versus the experience five or ten years ago. Obviously true, and I, and I don't want to minimize the fact that there are broadband deserts uh in large parts of the country where where this all becomes way 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 more challenging i think it does emphasize as you know so much of this current experience does highlight uh the cracks it's 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 luminol for social inequality um Mm -hmm. so if you if the, the broadband inequality being just one part of it it's a great motivation to to emphasize municipal municipal broadband emphasize carrier and um and ISP diversity, uh, and, you know, lifeline service. I I think in New York city, we've got, um, families with multiple kids in public school who in the spring were, you know, suddenly and abruptly shifted to remote learning Mm -hmm. and did found that their previously adequate, uh, internet connection did not stand up to the rigors of having say three children simultaneously, uh, on a, on a zoom. Plus, plus a parent, so right. so yeah, I think I think the the cost and infrastructure bits of it that are getting exposed, we've been largely fortunate or largely prepared is the wrong word, but largely adequate. Um, but there's certainly a lot of patching left to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Harry, by the way, I think the unfunded mandate of technology is a strong episode title candidate. <laughs> that is that's good. I'm writing that down. I'm taking podcast mind. notes like a professional podcaster because that's what I am. Damn it! <laughs> I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. That's right, <laughs> a fellow know, field note. <laughs> field field notes. <laughs> say so much not, not a sponsor. Notes. Field notes. <laughs> so, Mike, I think a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to believe it was that long. Um, you were discussing uh, strategies for virtual team whiteboarding. And um, like you said, it got a lot of traction on social. Could you tell us a little bit about that process? For sure. So um, this was speaking of unfunded mandates. Um, the so my team in particular, but the broader solution engineering uh, organization within Salesforce, we do a lot of whiteboarding. And one of the things that you know lends itself most to the that on on-premise, in-person, face-to-face um, work experience is whiteboarding. Uh, mm-hmm. We we do a lot of meetings where we're sitting in a room with a customer and a whiteboard, and we're we're we are collaboratively and iteratively, improvisationally pulling together an idea of what 
you know, at, at its most basic, what does the world look like now? What do we want it to look like? And what are the things that have to change between point A and point B? Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, uh, my colleagues and my leaders were looking for, um, looking for a path forward uh, to allow our folks to uh, successfully do that in a remote setting and in a work from home setting. And so I, I don't honestly remember whether I volunteered or was voluntold that I was going to be doing this. Um, it's, it's a while ago now. Um, (laughs) I think I volunteered. I think I said, I, I think the, the, the ask had come down and I raised my hand. And so what I started working was on was an internal, uh, wiki of approaches for virtual whiteboarding, uh, including equipment, you know, what do you need physically? What do you need from a technology perspective? If you're going with a technological solution like the iPad or, or you're going to try to do this on your desktop, what software do you need? What tools do you need? What are some best practices? What are the approaches that we recommend? Here's links and resources to the whiteboard training we do. And, um, you know, in the midst of all this, I also recruited my friend and my colleague, uh, Vivek Mahapatra, who is, you know, one of our internal whiteboarding savants and gurus and and got his perspective on it and and he and i started building out a bit of you know kind of a webinar approach um that um that then became a live webinar via our trailhead live broadcast so these Mm -hmm. are sometimes very salesforce specific sometimes not but it was on 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 trailhead live uh where we did this this uh, pseudo live broadcast of the two of us whiteboarding back and forth um, that was very well received. And so after that, the segments from that, that session became an actual trailhead module. So trailhead.com is Salesforce's training and learning free learning environment. Mm-hmm. And anything you want to learn about Salesforce, you go to trailhead.com. Well, now if you want to see me, uh, talking about virtual whiteboarding, um, you can also go to trailhead.com because we've been, <laughs> we've been immortalized in this, in this learning module. Um, so, so the this was this was mostly complete in in March and early April, but has been uh, revised and edited and extended and linked and started to become a bit of a center of gravity for the whiteboarding hmm. um, whiteboarding mavens within the company. And just this past week, we have a um, one of our big new hire programs that focuses on on recent college grads is our our Scout Academy, and these folks who normally all gather together and and learn and onboard in Indianapolis as a cohort for six months, you know, two months in to their experience got scattered to the four winds. And a big piece of what they need to do is whiteboarding. Like they have to learn how to do this. So that team, (laughs) I worked with that team and they developed a um, very, very economical sort of $115 bill of materials. That's a, you know, do it yourself version of the IPVO uh, document camera and a whiteboard on a table and, you know, figure out your lighting and your camera situation and, and go to town. So it doesn't have to be high tech. I think that was one of the lessons we took away from it. You can, you can very easily create a great whiteboarding experience without buying an iPad. Um, mm-hmm. I did, but that's cause I wanted an iPad. Um, <laughs> but that was the, that was the, um, that was the big sort of one of the big deliverables for me in, um, in the March and April timeframe was to at least give people a place to go to learn more about it and to, and to start to figure out what they were, were going to do. And it's been, yeah. it's been well received. 
One of the things that was really interesting to me there yes. was when you first raised your hand to sort of take mm -hmm. on this task, um, you went right to a, witty, a wiki for data collection mm -hmm. and sort of formal brainstorming. Is that a practice you would, is that something you would typically do or is that just because this was such a large scale work project? Well, um, it is something I would typically do. Typically do. I should clarify that I, I, I wasn't talking about a conventional um, yeah. like Confluence style wiki. We have a Salesforce product called Quip. Okay. Uh, quip, quip, hashtag not the toothbrush, um, <laughs> but it, but it's a, it's it's similar to um, similar to Google Docs and to uh, and to other collaborative editing editing environments. Sure. Um, but it's very it's super collaborative. It's like very it's very um, jump in and 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 comment and create and add content. So it was very easy for me to build out the framework in Quip and then invite collaborators in. Um, and, and it does have internal linking. So it is wiki like yes. in that way. Um, I would say for, I, I find it a great way to collaborate, especially when you don't yet, when you don't know at the start of the project, the scope of your collaboration universe. Uh, um, so it's a way to let that grow organically on its own. Correct. That's exactly right. The difference between a collaborative document in my head anyway the difference between a collaborative document and a wiki is that even though they may have the same substrate, they may be, they may be built on the same technology. Mm -hmm. The idea of a wiki is that of, of gathering momentum and gathering value from the editors who at the time the document was created had no idea it existed, nor any reason to suspect mm -hmm. it might. Mm -hmm. It's um, the snowball going down the hill. It's exactly, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the avalanche effect and and what was really remarkable for me in this was finding all those domain experts and people who had existing content and uh, existing best practices that were out there that I could draw upon, including folks from our IT and purchasing side who were able to say, hey, you know, if you we don't have licenses for application X, why not try application Y uh, until mm -hmm. we until we can buy more of the other one? Um just like very, very broad cross-functional collaboration, which was great. And then when it started to get picked up by uh, our, our European folks, uh, picked it up and started running with it. And they brought in a, a whole different sets of knowledge and information. So by explicitly saying up top, you know, this is not my work product. This is collaborative work product. And I expect and, and hope mm. that other people are going to jump in and add stuff. Providing some some guardrails around like what kind of content and how you want it included, and in some cases, people did you know screen steps style, very long you know step by step mm -hmm. uh, screenshot pathways, and I then would take those and put them in a separate link document and say, okay, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna leave the we're gonna leave the value here, but we're gonna take the detail out. Um, sure. But I think that that's a a great mode of virtual collaboration that can that doesn't depend on being in the same time zone or the same office or right. the same work group which um, is great so when you feel you can contribute or when you have that realization oh this is for that project no matter where or when you are you can just add it and then your co-collaborators can see it and build from there yeah and it and it does depend on a a culture of collabor of yeah, culture of collaboration, <laughs> uh, positive feedback, positive intent, and you know, minimal minimal sabotaging. Um, not every corporate culture or environment is uh, is going to meet those that that I would think low standard. But that's some, very true. But many do. Mike, before I go, I just have to say 
culture of collaboration is my culture club cover band. <laughs> my 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 eight bit uh you know <laughs> yes uh, d- nerd nerd core uh, we use Casio it's great Dave do you do you really want to hurt me oh <laughs> uh, my green after show territory all right <laughs> uh, I do have to run Mike thanks so much I will leave you in Carrie's Harry's capable hands Harry once again uh, thank you for editing this week oh my pleasure. my pleasure Dave great to see you thank you for including me guys. Um, so, Mike, it sounds like you know this this whiteboard solution, and I'm looking on the the Trailhead website to at, at the um, learn how to whiteboard during a virtual meeting. This is the, yep. the article you were talking about. I believe so. Yes. So it looks like there are um, you've got classic whiteboarding, which is the the standard you know tw- twenty four by thirty six inch whiteboard that you would have behind you with dry erase markers and um, erasers and all that. And then you've got, you know, apps that you might want to use, like Jamboard. Um, it also sounds like, as you were saying, you had collaboration from different offices, different countries. You know, there might be limitations depending on what country you're in. Maybe the app you're using, if you're using it on an iPad, it's not available in a certain store in that country. Are there any plans for Salesforce to sort of formalize this into something that they might roll out for a company-wide as an official Salesforce plan or uh, or product uh even internally i i I don't i a don't know and and if i did know i probably wouldn't be able to speak to it uh authoritatively (laughs) um so what i can tell you is that we um we're a g suite uh customer so we so salesforce uses google's uh google docs and gmail and, and and google slides and so forth so uh and uh google has a uh whiteboard like product called Jamboard, um, which we do use. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are a G Suite using company, Jamboard is included and it's part of our it's part of our suite of applications and it's already there. So I think gotcha. from a from a standardization standpoint, we aren't we aren't mandating or saying everybody has to use this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are saying if you are if you are interested and you would like to try something that's available both on in on a tablet and on the desktop or web browser try jamboard um and we've been we've been pretty successful encouraging people to go down that road um i don't i honestly don't know that there is a one one true path and one true way on this i've seen people be successful with all sorts of tools and including the analog you know actual whiteboard with dry erase markers um one of my colleagues loves lucid chart like mm. he just he he and and another one loves miro which used to be real-time board uh folks who have a ux experience like envision um i i happen to like jamboard in particular because it does a great job with the sort of put a bunch of post-it notes on the board and move them around uh, right. approach to to brainstorming um what what is certainly true is that whatever tool or whatever um application pathway you go down get comfortable take the time to gain some fluency with that app don't try an app for the first time for an important meeting Mm -hmm. get comfortable because what is really hard is building up enough muscle memory and comfort and fluency to be able to listen ask questions and also diagram or whiteboard at the same time like that is a that is a riding a unicycle on a tightrope cognitive task normally 
right in a room with a pen like with being able to write on a wall like parents always told you don't write on the walls but you're allowed to write on the wall in this context yeah <laughs> however it's hard that that is that it's real cognitive work that you're doing when you whiteboard in this scenario um it becomes way harder if you're doing it with something that you don't feel familiar with and you don't feel comfortable with so take the time whatever tool seems to work for you take a little bit of time to get comfortable with it build a little muscle memory and then you will find that the labor uh or the effort involved of whiteboarding starts to go away so so you're saying don't wait for a pandemic to shut down the office before you get involved <laughs> in whiteboarding for everything <laughs> virtual whiteboarding ideally not yeah ideally you shouldn't do that um, how has it been? How has the adoption been in, on your team? I mean, have you always done whiteboarding of some kind with your team? Yeah, uh, we always have. We we mostly did it physically and not virtually. I think the virtual adoption has been pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, we're still, you know, we're sort of still looking for the magic fit or the magic bullet for this. But um, but I do think having the baseline information and instructions and a baseline path to, to trying it has really helped. Um, I, for one, I put up a, uh, a adhesive whiteboard sheet behind my desk thinking I would be able to reach it. Um, and not only have I bought a large monitor that pre prevents me from doing that, but I also have like <laughs> rotator cuff injury that I can't reach across the desk now. So uh, all in all, it's not really doing any good and I should so take it down. Your, your dreams of being a major league pitcher are just dashed. They're, 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 it's not happening. It's not you know, happening. I wonder about something like notability, where you could sync audio mm -hmm. with the drawings or the text, whatever you're writing on the board. I wonder if something like that might be a possibility. And then you could you could distribute the audio with the, the drawing around to everybody else. Yeah, and that's for, for, um, for asynchronous presentation or sharing. It's a great, a great one. A uh, number of folks who are who are fluent iPad whiteboarders do like notability. Mm -hmm. um, I think, interestingly enough, at the time that we started having this conversation, most of the meeting apps that we used did not directly support sharing an iPad screen. Uh, and that actually changed, or, or, or uh, I think it changed in iOS, come to think of it, but I'm not sure of the exact timing. But nowadays, you can do a live, you know, essentially present your entire device screen mm -hmm. into zoom or google meet or or go to meeting um that actually makes a big difference because you're able to um not worry so much about the you know reflector or air server bit of part of it or am i sharing this whiteboard you know via via a, a document sharing mechanism or or via url right. i can just share the screen and they can actually see what i'm doing in real time yeah and i think i know i think with notability they they have a mode when you plug it into a projector or if you stream it mm -hmm. Um, it removes the toolbars and everything. So when one of the firms I worked for, we were redoing our website, and one of the initial meetings was all about, you know, give me, give me some, you know, sort of like we're going to build a mood board or we're going to build a, a vision board of what you want the website to be. So what are some of your favorite companies and what are their aesthetics like and, you know, colors and shapes and all this stuff. And so mm -hmm. as we were giving these examples, one of the, the people from the, the agency we were using to design the new site had notability open on her iPad and she was drawing 
on the iPad and it was streaming to the to the projector. It was connected to the projector mm -hmm. and and we were watching her sort of sketch note everything as we were doing it. And it was really cool because like all the toolbars and all the settings and stuff disappear on our side from what we're watching. And we're literally just watching her on a virtual whiteboard sketch out mm -hmm. what our new website is going to sort of look like. Um, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll have to try it. I've 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 been a notability fan in the past, and I just have not uh, dived back in since. But I have plenty of opportunities now, so I'm definitely yeah. going to take your advice and give it a shot. What um what other tools are you using to stay in touch with your team and and collaborate? Uh, we use a lot of Google Meet. We use a lot of G Chat. Um, we have uh, we've used some Zoom. Uh, we use a lot of Google Docs. Quip, as I mentioned, our 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 sort of narrative baseline is always in Quip. Our one-on-one -on -one documents are in Quip. Our um, uh, it's sort of the place we keep our commitments to one another. Mm. Um, I've also tried for for to mix it up a little bit. I've used High Fidelity, uh, which I was introduced to um, coming out of virtual Mac stock this year. So HighFidelity.com is an audio-only uh, virtual experience where you can walk your avatar around a map um, and you will hear the other participants in the get together spatially, you know, at the right distance and the right, you know, orientation based on where their, their avatars are in relationship huh. to you, um, which is fascinating. And it's very quite immersive given that you don't see, you know, other than the, the headshot, you don't really see anything. It's not a 3d, uh, world, it's very much flatland. Oh, but, yeah, I'm on the um, website now. That's really weird. That's so. Cool. Yeah, you should check it out. Um, it's it's definitely a different way to have that sort of team conversation. Um, I I was enjoying it. I just for the first ten minutes of our meeting, I kept looking in the wrong direction because people sounded like they were coming from behind me when they were in front of me, and then I figured out that I was wearing my headset backward. Yeah. Um. So. Problem problem was between uh, USB and brain, um, but yeah, it's great. It, it's it's it is interesting to see the kind of acceleration for some of these tools and some of these environments. I would love it if everybody could hop into, you know, Second Life with their their Oculus headset and be virtually present. But it's not it's not realistic. It's not really desirable. You know, it just doesn't it doesn't uh, add it doesn't add enough value to the experience to make the technology hurdle worth right. jumping over. This, this in particular, high fidelity looks like um, it would work really well on Oculus or some sort of virtual reality where you could turn your head and talk to someone. Um, yeah, it's it's and it. I've been thinking the last couple of weeks. I wish someone would bring back eWorld the old Apple eWorld, <laughs> and, and do yeah. something like this where you could physically or digitally walk into a chat room or walk into, mm -hmm. like, a virtual bookstore and peruse the shelves and, you know, that kind of stuff. Like, this this seems a lot more engaging than just hopping on a Zoom call and staring at a bunch of, you know, talking heads. <laughs> yeah, it's different. Well, it definitely is a different experience, and I think it exercises different parts of the, of the social brain. Um, I... I, I think that someone on my team said it was like, you know, sitting on a couch at a cocktail party with your eyes closed. Right. I said, okay, yeah. That there, 
there's at least fidelity to high fidelity. There's at least fidelity to some sort of real world, real world experience. The fact is that all of us had already spent, we already spent a lot of our time on virtual meetings anyway, so it wasn't unfamiliar. It's the monotony now. It's the, right. it's the unavoidability of it. And it's the waking up and saying, I cannot, I just can't stomach another day in zoom yeah. i need to do something different there was there so was that's that, that's why i tried it there was that picture on twitter that that was going around of that um taught that five-year-old or six-year-old who had just sort of flopped over on the kitchen chair after all day on zoom and it was like that is the mood everyone has right now just no more yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my uh one of my colleagues has instituted walking one-on-one so just hop on the phone and, and walk around the neighborhood while while checking in with colleagues and it's it does make a difference. Like you think differently. You you like, are you're 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 giving yourself a, a a chance to exercise parts of your brain that or or turn off parts of your brain. More importantly, like sitting in one place, your your brain may be active. Once you start walking, there's pieces of your brain that are like, oh well, I'm going to be focused on the walking now, so I'm not going to be, you know, whispering voices in your ear anymore. I'm just going to do the walking thing. Right. So it's uh, it's, it's like being to get that. It's like being in your own Aaron Sorkin show. It, it, it's the walk and talk it is you are the one the one the one person walk and talk that's exactly right the the, the invention of the airpod has made more of us look um not quite all there as we've been walking around the neighborhoods loudly talking to ourselves with no one visible that we are interacting with so especially with the mask too so you're wearing a mask you're wearing your airpods they can't see your mouth moving but they can hear your voice and it's uh it's an effect it's definitely a mood yeah um, are there any uh, are there any other like sort of little apps you use or maybe some possibly unknown apps you use to get your work done during the day that that might be of benefit to listeners? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I, I do use things. So okay. um, the classic classic iOS um, uh, to do list things. Um, I like. uh I also find myself using. Um, we already talked about Quip. I do use. I do find myself doing more in messages than I used to, um, mm. because that's that's sort of the coordination layer for family stuff. So there's a lot going on um, over there. Um, Are you I've running used, the betas I've, at all? The the iOS betas? No, I'm, no, I, I'm not. I can't, I can't can't put myself through it. I am doing it. it I got to say, it's very stable, much more stable than iOS 13 was. Um, and a, a friend of mine, Andy Welfley, um, who works for Adobe, he he and I are both running the betas, and we were doing the threaded messaging thing, and it was pretty mm -hmm. cool to to watch that go back and forth. I'll have to try it. Um, I have started using Discord for a couple of work things, um, which is interesting. Uh, but but it's a nice. It's just the the idea of giving somebody permission, for example, to you know pick the soundtrack for the meeting using mm -hmm. a using a, a playbot. Um, that that's kind of fun. Uh, but but really, you know, my my app world is not so exciting nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. It's basic, you know, basic productivity and getting stuff done. Um, I wish I had. I wish I had the time to, you know, to be exploring more landscape. I have one thing I've started trying to work with. I've not really gotten deeply into it yet. Is Loom, which is, uh, I mentioned uh, Screen Steps earlier. Loom is a similar, um, similar tool where it's 
you're you're taking screenshots really in line and then being able to share them on the web instantly. Oh, so yeah. sketch like or screen steps like yeah. Um, and it comes with a Chrome extension. Um, you know, for for some stuff, it's very it's very useful. I've I've been a long time uh, screen steps and uh, snap it um, user, not snag it. Snag it, but, yeah. I but, snag it. Well, I was think they there's screen steps had another product that was similar to snag it, but is not. But is is it snap to it? I can't remember. Anyway, but the idea of being able to take screenshots and create documentation really fast, um, always helpful, always useful. Um, less and less part of what I have to do every day, so I've fallen away from it a bit. Um, but Loom is interesting. I do use um, Menti and Poll Everywhere. Uh, for you know surveying and you know intra meeting uh, polling and outreach, okay. So those are both useful. Uh, Menti's very cool. Poll everywhere. I've been a fan of for a very very long time. Um, and uh, <laughs> oddly enough, um, Jackbox. You know, Jackbox. being able to being able to play um, you don't know Jack or, oh. or Fibbage with the with the team virtually. Um, the dream of the nineties is alive at Salesforce. <laughs> it's we're still here. We're still so so. One thing that we have done when we when lockdown started in in March, um, there is a uh, there is a internal um, fundraising organization called Fragforce, which works with Extra Life, which is the video game centric charity that mm -hmm. uh, donates to Children's Miracle Network hospitals. So Fragforce uh, streams and does fundraisers for Extra Life. Uh, supporting children's health and the and the, the hospitals themselves, and starting in March, we started doing a Friday uh, pandemic lockdown uh, office stream. So everyone, it's open to participation from everybody at Salesforce. People can come in and play. We play different games. We get audience commentary. We get some sometimes we'll have audience participants. Um, often it's something from from Jackbox or uh, but. Um, last couple of weeks it's been ultimate chicken horse which is a lot of fun hmm. uh, and i had not i had not been playing before um but anyway yeah it's it's not it's not such a great app uh app landscape for me sad to say that's not that's the stuff you mentioned was pretty cool um so that's i didn't realize you don't know jack was still kicking around that's still there check that out yeah worth 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 your time Oops. very nice uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming on. This is great. When, I, when I'm back in the city and back on my feet, we'll have to go back out for lobster rolls. <laughs> that would be magnificent. Well, well, thank you, and thanks to Dave for having me on. It's been a treat, and uh, happy to come back anytime. Hopefully, hopefully, when the when the show subject matter is less globally relevant. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, we can well, we can go back to talking about field notes and and productivity methods, and not like, are right. you okay? Is your mental health okay? <laughs> have you gotten sunshine? Yeah. Well, it's like it's like the podcast for everyone. It shouldn't have to be, but it is. Right. I have to ask, and no one on the no one listening to this can see this, but in the background, is that an Alpha Smart on the shelf? It is. It is, is that an a Neo? Alpha Smart. It's a Dana. It's a Dana. Okay. Um. Yeah i i I bought it with the intention of refurbing it. Oh, look at that! I've got my three thousand. <laughs> Very nice. I bought it on eBay. It was twenty bucks. This guy had like a pallet of them and was just giving them away. So I grabbed one. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't gotten I haven't gotten mine operational yet, but it's it's a it's a project, right? It's scenery at the moment, but eventually it's a project.
I, I love um, it. I, I miss the mechanical keyboard. I, I love just the simplicity of it and the, the distraction-free writing of it. It's really nice. That's amazing. Well, I do have to run from my home office to uh, hit the road, but it's been a pleasure seeing you guys. Likewise. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Good luck editing. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> talk to you later. Bye.